0: Friends, welcome to the spotlight sessions from AMP talent group. I'm Rosie Ferguson, your host. I'm so glad you're with me because today we're joined by Matthew Morgan, a casting director with over two decades in the industry. He's the founder of Morgan Casting with offices in Toronto, New Orleans, and Canton, Mississippi. In this episode, we're going to tap into Matthew's immense experience and get his insights on successful auditioning and casting. With a portfolio spanning feature films, TV series and commercials across North America, he's collaborated with directors such as James Franco, Paul Schrader, Allison Eastwood. His work includes credits such as Master Gardner, As I Lay Dying and Blue Bayou. Morgan Casting offers services in English, French and Spanish and excels in on-location casting setting up pop-up offices in various markets. As a respected member of both the Canadian and American Casting Guilds, Matthew brings a perspective from both sides of the border. We are so happy he is here. Welcome to the show, Matthew. I'm so happy you can make time for us with such a busy travel schedule.
1: First off, thank you for the beautiful intro. It's my pleasure to join you, and I love helping actors and sharing my knowledge that's The primary reason I'm a casting director, (laughs) I love it. Of course, Matthew. We're chatting today. Matthew,
0: can you share a bit about your journey in the entertainment industry and how you got here? How you became a casting director?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, I am American by birth. I was born and reared in Mississippi, and I am Canadian by choice. I've been here over twenty years, and feel so grateful to call myself a Canadian citizen and worked really hard for it. So that's sort of where my journey started. I graduated in foreign languages, uh, French and Spanish and international business. And I got a degree um, in international business because I wanted to to work abroad and use my language skills. But at the heart of what I really wanted to do was to be an actor, to right. see myself on screen. Um, that was my dream dream. So I graduated from university I got hired by FedEx to work in their French e department in Montreal. Oh, cool. I was so excited. Um I could live in Canada where I could speak French. Yes. <laughs> Days before my flight, they said, "Sir, we're we're actually going to send you to Mississauga." <laughs> so, I went I, I went from Mississippi to Mississauga.
0: <laughs> well, was, you, you yeah. can spell them both, right? They they start off the same the same way, so that's great. <laughs>
1: Where is this? And I looked at the map and thought, oh, it's close to Toronto. Back (laughs) when I tapped the T in Toronto. And, um, you know, I came here and I I just loved it. Um, I worked for FedEx. And in my off time and my lunch breaks, I started auditioning. Um, I signed up with a talent agency and modeling agency at the time called Armstrong Men, Mm -hmm. AP, um, Toronto's Gail McInnes of Magnet Creative. was my agent. And um, I started going on auditions and just loved it. And eventually I quit my corporate job. Um, I had to explain that to my parents who had sent me to France and (laughs) to Quebec and all these places to study. Um, And I just went for it. I took a big leap of faith to follow my dream. And it was tough. I ran around Toronto with my Pearlies in the back of my car going on go-sees and auditions. And Eventually, I got introduced to an amazing casting director, Shasta Lutz, of Jigsaw Casting, yep. and hired me to be her assistant, and over time trained me to be a print casting director at her company, and, you know, my forte at the time was models and even actors doing commercial print advertising, and I really enjoyed it. But what I wanted to do was to cast actors, because at the core of what I love to do was Acting. So um, after some time, I left and opened my own business and um, that was back in 2004 and never looked back. Um, so that's sort of how I got in as being a casting director. Um, I auditioned for another casting director um, who sort of taught me the ropes for which I will always be grateful. and um, And I love what I do
0: my goodness, Matthew! What a, a amazing story, and you're you're so you're so joyful. I could you could just feel your 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 joy. And when I was uh, reading all about you and, and looking at your website, and I just want to say, you know, I've there's millions of websites out there, and i you know you've, you've seen so many d- different types. And yours, when I hit your landing page, Morgancasting.com, I gasped. I it was so beautiful with all these beautiful animations, and I really. Guys, check out Matthew's website morgancasting.com. It just felt so different from everybody else's website. It was colorful these beautiful animations and so joyful. So I just wanted to say, you know, normally you don't get excited over uh, a a website, but yours is so special and, and amazing and all those animations are just so, you know, they they reflect your your travels and and all sorts of just really, really neat things. So I love your, I love your website. I just have to say that. And what inspired you to, to have, have something so, uh, such a a lovely design?
1: You know, I love to have fun. I'm a fun person. And I thought to myself, you know, sometimes I look at other people's websites when I was doing research and they seemed very corporate, very serious. Although I am very good at business, in my opinion, (laughs) I like to have fun. And I felt like, it reflected me. I wanted to sort of focus on the cities in which I live, the areas in which I work, the spots that I've been um, fortunate enough to travel to and work on location. And I pulled different elements from those cities. You know, if you look at the Toronto sort of icon, it was all the things that I love about Toronto, the streetcar, the CN Tower, you'll see, you know, um, different elements um, that reflect Montreal, that reflect New York, Los Angeles, Louisiana. You know, there's a, a crawfish on there and an alligator. And, it's fabulous. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to have some fun with it.
0: So terrific. So let's uh, let's t- chat now about casting and auditioning. You have been, you've casted a, a lot. You've been doing this for over two decades. Walk us through the key steps you take when you're casting for film, for, for TV and commercials. Take us through it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I try to practice what I preach. I tell actors when you audition, you know, the first thing you should do is inform yourself. The more you know about the project for which you're auditioning, for which I'm about to work, the better you'll do having, you know, a wealth of information. So uh, let's take a film, for instance. Um, It's my duty to read the script, to break down the characters and to not only, um, you know, search for what i think would be a great fit for the role but to really find out what my clients want it's my job to interpret uh, what the director wants what the producers want so you really have to get a wealth of information uh in order to do a good job so uh, i inform myself i put out my breakdown um i release it to all the agents and then you start sifting through and picking the actors so selecting is sort of step two um inform yourself, outsource, select, and then you go through the great audition process, be it live, virtual, or self-tape. And then, you know, it's sort of my job to sift through the masses and pick my favorites and hand them to my clients on a nice sort of silver platter, right? So it makes their job easier. And those are the steps that I take more or less to cast a project.
0: Matthew, you've cast done some really am- amazing stuff, impressive stuff. You've cast two feature films directed by and starring James Franco, two by Paul Schrader. You've cast for directors like Allison Eastwood, Tate Taylor, John Krasinski. What kind of differences do you see between directors in their approach to casting?
1: That's a very good question. In general, I find that directors love actors and the casting is so important to the success of the film. I do see different approaches oftentimes let's take for instance paul schrader the films that i cast for him the card counter with oscar isaac and tiffany um, haddish he was the writer um master gardener with sigourney weaver he was the author he wrote the story so i find sometimes when you have directors who are the writers they envision people for the part as they're writing they have a certain sure. look in mind Whereas James Franco, who directed As I Lay Dying and The Sound and the Fury, those are adaptations from novels, from books written by William Faulkner. So not his work, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you get sort of different approaches, I think, when you have the directors who are the writers, they are oftentimes very particular um, because they already envision somebody from the for the for the part. Um, but all in all, the directors that I've worked with have all loved live callbacks. They've been very hands on. They want to see the actors in person. They want to be moved. Um, and I've been really fortunate, um, you know, to to have had the opportunity to be in the room with some really talented and creative people.
0: Well, let's talk auditions now, and and you know your process of sifting sifting through everybody and finding the the, the right people to to show to the directors. What tips can you share to help up and coming actors stand out during auditions and hopefully leave a lasting impression?
1: You know, rule number one, I always say as simple as it sounds is to follow the directions you're given. I am amazed at the number of actors who will deliver self tapes um, and just not do what I asked of them. Um, For me, I will often say I prefer the slate at the beginning. Um, It just makes logical sense for me to hear you introduce yourself for this character. I absorb that. And then I start taking notes. I start watching your audition, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I love to see more than one read. I will often ask actors um, to read it twice. Once as written and maybe a second time as written, but show me something different. Make some different actor choices, put your spin on it. You could even make it your own a touch. If the dialogue is not lengthy, I will sometimes say, and give me a third read where you completely improv the scene and make it your own. And I did this recently on a series of auditions here in Toronto, Mm -hmm. and I was amazed at the actors who didn't slate at all. The slate was at the end, Um, or they just gave me one read. And it was great, but it made me wonder, was one read all they thought they needed? Whoa, right, Um, of course. The second read so i start to lose confidence that you know can this person read the call sheet can they show up on set um can they bring their materials and deliver um so it's sort of like a a very simple test of can you follow directions because that in effect is the job of an actor um to take direction be it written or verbal or what have you right so make sure that you really execute what's asked of you it um it's it leaves a very good impression from a professional standpoint,
0: Matthew. When it comes to self tapes and, and you're and you're watching them, and this comes up a lot since now self tapes are, are the norm and everyone's uh, doing them, what kind of technical aspects are you paying close attention to when when you look at when you look at a tape?
1: Sure. I mean, I know that if you're self taping from home, you're not walking into my beautifully lit studio. So um, <laughs> at the same time. I need to be able to pass that video along to my clients with confidence. Sure. If I can't see you, if I can't hear you, um, no matter how talented or great you are, I just can't pass it along because it's a reflection of me, even though I'm not filming you. So you want to do the very best you can. Many actors um, tape from home. They have their own setup, um, which is really smart, right? If you can get a great camera, a tripod, someone to film you and a reader that you trust, you really that's all you need. And, you know, if it's a very big role or something super important, I think it could be advantageous to go into a beautifully lit studio and get recorded. Right. But um, the outputs need to be to be good. They don't have to be film worthy. Um, A reminder that we're watching this on our iPad or my iPhone Mm -hmm. or my MacBook. You know, you don't have to shoot it at the largest resolution and it doesn't have to be professionally lit. But we do need to be able to see you well and hear you. Um, So your outputs are important, right? It's a reflection of your product. You know, I think even more important um, or as important as the outputs are the performance. Um, I find oftentimes if actors are asked to read a set of sides twice, they don't show me their range enough, right? Um, Sometimes they will just make their second read slightly different from the first, which is following the instructions that I gave. But I think it's smart to take a risk and to make it drastically different. If I've never seen you before as an actor, mm-hmm. um, and this is your chance and opportunity to really show me what you can do, Um, maybe you take it from the first read and then go 180 degrees into something completely different for the second read. Um, Because it really shows me your range. It may not be true to the character and what you'd actually do on set, but I think I'm more impressed and you leave a more memorable sort of note when you when you think outside the box and sort of show me your range.
0: Sure. And it makes it makes you see allows for you to see what's what's special, what's special in you. And I'm sure that's what you're what you're looking for, what's different and, and what's special. You you mentioned you know such it's such a such a common sense thing, but it's such an important thing because I think sometimes we do lose our common sense. How important it is to just simply follow directions, just simply do what is asked of you. What are some of the other common mistakes that you've observed in in, in actors' auditions, and how you think that they could be avoided?
1: Well, aside from following instructions. Um, I think I just touched on really what I would like to say is I find that oftentimes actors, I will ask them, and I think many casting directors will ask you to do it more than once, just mm-hmm. so we can see a little bit more of what you have in your wheelhouse. Right. And I feel like the average person holds back a touch, and they're scared to really go for it. Let's say you've got a server at the Dairy Queen, and um, she's bubbly and friendly and excited to like serve you for the day. Um, most people will take it from happy to exuberant, but they won't take it from happy to devastated. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between sad and devastated, sure. and there's a difference between happy and ecstatic, but slight differences. What's sort of fun for me is you, if you can take it you know, um, from the employee who's loving her job and feeling great, and then all of a sudden it's like she can't be bothered. She's ready to get out of there and go home and smoke a joint. <laughs> right um you showed me some real range and a contrast of what you can do it shows me your creativity as an actor as an artist um do we need that kind of read for for the real deal maybe not (laughs) but i know what you're capable of i can always reel you back so my best advice from watching thousands and thousands of tapes over the years is if you have the opportunity to read it a second or third time really have some fun and play with it deliver the first time what you feel is right and true to that character. Work on your character development. Give me sort of your very best read as you see best fit on read one. You've done it. You've done what I've asked. But now read two, you can have a little fun and take a chance. So I think that would be my best advice to actors is if you get the opportunity to do it a second or third time, really go for something a little bit different.
0: Is there, that's a, an amazing advice. Is there... An audition that you remember, something really memorable that stood out for you, that left a really lasting impact that you could share with us and, and why it stood out for you?
1: The very first feature film that I did was called As I Lay Dying. Um, I had been working in Toronto for about 15 years as a commercial casting director, doing a lot of print. I had a successful business, but I couldn't get my foot in the door to do feature films. And I heard they were doing a lot of movies in Mississippi and Louisiana, which was the area I grew up in. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and in my small hometown where I grew up, um, I heard they were doing a film that James Franco was directing. Um, and the producers came by my parents' house mm-hmm. to actually look at the house for a venue, location. Oh, um, wow. And my Southern mom from Mississippi handed my card to the producer who was from France, and she said, you know, my son's a casting director. He lives up in Toronto, and he can speak French. Um, And she sort of rolled her eyes and thought, yeah, right. She's from Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) And she said, you need to call him, and promise me you will give him a call. And so she gave her my card. She didn't call me, and uh, she came back about two weeks later to thank my mom and say, you know what? We're not going to use your house for the location for the film. She said, you never called my son. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I was riding on the Spadina That's Street. awesome. <laughs> and I looked at my phone, and I was like, who's calling me from Brooklyn? And I picked up the phone, and it was this incredible producer, Caroline Aragon. Caroline. And um, she asked me if I was available to cast this film, to be the lead casting director, um, and how soon I could get to Mississippi. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, give me a <laughs> um, I called Delta, and I booked a flight down. I did an interview, and that was sort of... You know, she hired me right on the spot. Um, and I knew I was talented. I had cast a lot of commercials. I had cast, I believed that I was good, but I just needed some person to take a chance on me to get my foot in the door. Of um, and I had prayed for God to open a door for me. Right. Um, and that was the very first encounter. Um, James Franco, you know, uh, I ended up casting a film for a large director uh, at the time. And it opened a lot of doors for me. All the people that you know didn't call me back or didn't return my emails all of a sudden started returning my emails oh. or phone calls. So this is sort of the same, I can relate to when actors need someone to take a chance on them for a door to open. You know, I can thank my mom for being uh, so pushy. Um, <laughs> I can thank that incredible producer for taking a chance on me. It really was the turning point of my career And the most memorable casting session, now to answer your question. (laughs) I love
0: that story. I love your mom. I love mom energy. Like, that's amazing.
1: (laughs) The fact that I did for that film, um, I took all the great training I had over the years as a commercial casting director. You know, nobody told me that this is how you do films. I was just winging it and giving it my, I believed in myself and I sold it, which is what actors have to do as well, right? Just trust your instincts and i remember in that callback session in mississippi james franco was in the room the french producer who hired me and um that was one of the first callback sessions where i felt they really gave me full range to run the session as i saw best fit um he james franco made me feel super valued not just me presenting people to him and letting him pick but he really um turned to me and said who do you think would be best you know these actors you've seen them before you've worked with them it was one of the first moments where i felt like i'm really part of the creative process um and it was so rewarding and i'll never forget that casting session it was just like a dream come true um you know not only to be my first feature film but in my hometown and it went to the con film festival Um. so I got to go to the film festival and walk the red carpet. And, you know, it was just um, a very magical moment for me. So that one goes down in the books as my favorite experience.
0: Absolutely. What an incredible, what an incredible story. That's, uh, oh my gosh. Even to to have James Franco, that moment where he's, you know, looking at you and asking you, you know what do you think? It's like okay, this is you know I'm I'm deciding I'm I'm helping people see this 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 film through his eyes and who's going to who's who's going to represent the the the, the script and the and the characters. That's 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 an incredible story, Matthew. You you travel so much. You uh, casting on location is 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 something that uh, you're an expert in. Tell tell us about that. How much you love the travel and the the pop up casting sessions. Why do you find it so rewarding?
1: I love to keep myself challenged. I love to continuously learn. You know, I take night classes learning foreign languages. You know, one of the reasons I love casting on location is because it's difficult. Um, you know, I've lived in very big cities um, where you have tons of resources. If I'm doing a job here in Toronto, there's probably 300 plus agencies. The hard part of my job is not um, having enough people to audition, but it's who do I bring in? It's beating it down to your favorites because you've got thousands of submissions coming in. Oftentimes for one role, you'll get 2000 headshots come through. If I'm working in small town, Alberta, if I'm working in Moncton, if I'm working in Arkansas, which I did a a really large film there. And I think there was maybe one or two talent agencies in the entire state. it sort of got me back to my real people casting roots. Um, when I first started casting at Jigsaw, back in 2000, like maybe 2004, I did tons of real people casting. I was out on the streets of Toronto with my Polaroid camera, and then the digital camera came out. <laughs> they were big, funky, and I would stop complete strangers on the streets and you know, uh, and ask them, "Let me take your mugshot." Um, you know, you, I've got, I'm doing this TD Bank job, or I'm looking for some cool skateboarder kids. Um, looking for people, I would hit up, you know, tattoo parlors in the city, looking for edgy people for music videos. So, um, I love that aspect of casting because it's a challenge, right? You've got to sell yeah. yourself and convince someone to give you their phone number, their, their email. And you know, that's sort of what it's like casting on location. You have to advertise, get on the local radio stations, um, run ads in the newspaper now, of course, with social media it's an easier process. Sure. You can join Facebook group groups and spread the word, but um, it allows me to see real people who are not actors who are actually really gifted and you can discover talent. Um, people who've never done this before, but just naturally talented and who maybe live in, you know, small town Ontario and never had the opportunity to train and to be an actor. Sure. So it's really rewarding in that aspect. So, um, I love to go to difficult places that I've never been before and don't live and to make a project happen and to really find some great talent.
0: What was one of the more uh, your most challenging roles to cast? What was what was a what was a tough one where you really had trouble finding that 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 perfect person?
1: For me, the I think one of the most difficult characters that I've had to cast was for the James Franco film I was talking about earlier, in my first movie called As I Lay Dying. There's a character named Vardaman, um, who's one of Addie Bundren's many children, and he's a, about an eight year old boy. And in the script, he has just as much dialogue as the lead actors. So wow. I needed a little kid who was really talented with dialogue, but who was natural and not a sort of a forced kid actor who had been overtrained. Yep. Yeah. Um, So we were casting this in Mississippi where there was maybe one or two talent agencies and I needed the kid to sound authentically Southern. So I did several huge open calls. Hundreds, if not thousands of children came through. I saw all the kids with the pro agencies. We did a breakdown nationwide across the United States. Um, But... I remember finding this little boy, you know, named Brady Permenter who had never auditioned before. Um, you know, they, his mom just saw a big lineup of people outside. I think maybe they thought it was a yard sale <laughs> so They were see and checked it out. And she was like, do you want to audition for this film? And he came in and a little redheaded kid about oh. eight and he was incredible. He blew me out of the water. And he'd
0: never just, auditioned before. He had never done acting or performing in, I handed
1: him the sides, um, just a little chunk of them because there were lots of them. And um he had it memorized and went right in and just like wow. And I remember for the callback when he came in to meet James Franco, there was probably six or seven pages of dialogue. And I said, Hey Brady, do you have your sides with you? And he's like, I got it in my head, you know, just (laughs) like um, so comfortable and so good. (laughs) I was very proud that, you know, I had discovered some kid who was amazing. He booked the role in the film.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Got to come to TIFF, to the Toronto Film Festival, and walk the red carpet. And, you know, James Franco loved him so much that he used him again in a second film. And it sort of, well, it did. It shifted his career into sure. becoming an actor. So, of course. But that particular role was a tough one. Um, we had to search high and low and little did I know it It was right around the corner from where the film was taking place, you know? So, um, those are really special moments. So, you know, that's sort of the reason I love what I do. You know, when you can change someone's path, right?
0: It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. His life, his, his life has changed and there's that, that skill and talent he didn't even know was, uh, was inside. And again, his mom, you know, mom saw the line. What's, what's up with that? You you gotta love moms. (laughs) Matthew, what are the, What are the trends right now in, in, in casting? Are there, are there trends? What are your clients uh, looking, looking for when you're working on projects?
1: You know, each project as a rule of thumb, you're casting what is reflective of the script Um, you know, especially if you're doing feature film. Um, But there's an interesting trend I've found lately that I don't know if actors are aware of. Mm -hmm. I've had several directors hang out in my live callbacks not in the audition room with me and my team, but out in the waiting room. Um, you know, some kind of young, cool hipster directors who are pretending to be actors. Um Whoa. and I I had a director who did this on the film and I was like, man, what what were you doing out there in the audition room? And he <laughs> said to me, he said, listen, everyone who's here for a callback is here because I believe in them. <gasps> I want to know who do I like, who do I gel with, who do I want to be part of my film family? And I remember the director was out in the audition room with his sides every time waiting to go in next, waiting to go in next. He's like, hey, do you want to read? Do you want to read these with me before I go in and see Matthew? (laughs) He would read with the actors. He was chatting with the moms, um, getting a gist of what they were like before booking their kids. That's amazing. um, (laughs) And you know, you just never know who's watching. And this has happened four or five times, I think, in the last two or three years. Um, you know, since COVID has passed, and we've, you know, I'm still doing self tapes for round one. Sometimes there is no live callback, but for a few of the most recent live callbacks that I've had, I've had the director or producer sort of out in the waiting room and you know, uh, on the sly. Checking everybody out. And I remember this director said, make sure you send the script to everyone. Yeah. You don't always get the script for the callback, but hopefully you do. Yes. And you know, he reached, a, he looked at one of the other performers He was like, Man, did you read the script? She's like, Oh no, I didn't have time for that. I've just studied my lines. You know, that was the director, right? Yeah. So whoa, okay. Actors, <laughs> you you need to be on and ready yes. and the moment you pull up in the parking lot. You better turn on the charm get your mindset. Um, You never know who's watching in the audition room, um, particularly for live callbacks. Um, I've seen clients, you know, out there and they're sort of seeing you and the real you before you walk in the room and turn on the the pro charm that you do. Right. So, yeah, well,
0: for sure. That's that's a really a really good reminder, too, especially, you know, when you when you get a, a, a callback, even if you don't book it, it's such a, a good reminder that you the the casting director like yourself the director saw something in you and maybe it's it's you're not going to book it but they saw something in you that was incredibly promising enough to bring you back so like you said pull up in the in the parking lot every minute make sure you are are on and that is a good reminder even if you're in the the, the waiting room you just you never know my goodness Matthew thank you thank you for that uh, <laughs> that's a that's a trend that yeah we should all be thinking about because you definitely want to be on if the director is going to be in there with you
1: you <laughs> up giving me a list at the very end I said, "Well, your session is here. Here's your link of the callback. If you care to watch it." And he goes, "No, nope, these are the people I want in my film."
0: Wow! And how great that, is that for you? As the, like that must help you so much as as well to have such uh, f- feedback at at that point. Because then you're 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 having the 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 director see you. I guess even as those actors are 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 developing in 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 the in the second part of the audition. So what a neat collaboration that would be for you as well
1: indeed
0: <laughs> Matthew, what as we we start to wrap things up and it's been oh, it's been so amazing talking to you, what advice do you have for actors that to not just excel in auditions to not just do great in auditions but to work on building a sustainable and fulfilling career what would you what would you offer them having been an actor your, yourself and of course cast cast so many of them?
1: I feel maybe the best advice, that i could give is to really be grateful um, i always like to say gratitude not attitude humility can take you a long way in this industry thank yous can take you a long way i love it when actors send me a note just an email to say thank you so much for considering me i'm really enjoyed the callback i'm grateful for the opportunity if you book the role and you thank your agent on social media, tag your casting director. I mean, those are the moments that we live for and sort of why we do our job. Um, we like to help people realize their dreams. And um to be thanked for that is not expected, but it is certainly welcomed and a sweet surprise. And you know, you wanna leave a good lasting impression and have a great reputation. And I find little sort of great etiquette, I call it actor etiquette. Mm-hmm can help you in the long haul. And be nice to people along the way. You never know which assistant will end up being your client. Fellow actors may turn into other directors Mm. and producers and be your clients. So I encourage actors to think long-term versus short-term and to really sort of lay a great foundation um, and treat others as you want to be treated. That simple rule that we've heard for so long, I think it really applies um, so well in our industry. So that's some of the best advice that I can give actors, you know, in general, is, you know, to be appreciative, because sure. we sense it. And I, I like helping people who are grateful for me helping them
0: gratitude and be nice and respectful. Matthew, those are great words of advice for us to end on. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your insights. It was such a pleasure to speak with you and we wish you all the best in your, in your travels. I know you have a busy week, so thank you.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: I've been speaking with casting director Matthew Morgan, the founder of Morgan Casting. You can learn more about Matthew's projects at morgancasting.com. You can follow him on Instagram at morgancastinginc, on Twitter at morgancasting. I'm Rosie Ferguson. Thanks for spending time with us on the Spotlight Sessions today. Bye for now.